Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Amen. Come on. Good morning. Hallelujah. Let me get set up. Stephanie, you are fire. You're the best kind of fire. Stephanie, it's an honor that you're leading our youth because you're a pure fire. Hello. Man, I love offerings. You know, we don't love money, but we love what money can do in the kingdom. Money rescues kids out of human trafficking. Money creates a space for God to come and inhabit, for people and children to be equipped. Come on. Tithes and offerings are a big deal. Hallelujah. Come on. Um, Do you guys want to hear a testimony of last Sunday and kids? This is so good. I've come to realize, working with kids, that in order for them to go deeper in worship, they, they really first need to know the love of God. They need to know that God loves them in, in a deep and profound way. And it's, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because when you know you're loved and accepted, you're willing to take risks. And you're willing to be vulnerable. And you're willing to not worry about what people are going to think about you because they accept you anyway. And it's the same for kids in worship. So July 13th, I send out my monthly email. Every month, I send out an email to our kids team around the 15th. And I, I said, I put in a plug about, we're going to pursue the love of God in, in this season. Because I really believe there's an invitation from the Lord to go deeper in worship for our kids. Vulnerable, taking risk dancing, weeping, laughing, enjoying God's presence, pursuing God's presence. And I, uh, I, I put that out there to the team on last Sunday morning. I, uh, I knew that we were going to go after it a little bit, and we had a little boy visit. And we knew that it was a divine appointment and that he was going to encounter the love of God for healing came time for our soaking time. If you don't know what soaking is, soaking is a, we create space to have worship music playing for kids to rest in the presence of God, to receive prayer, impartation, blessing, maybe infilling from the Holy Spirit, to be still before the Lord. He fell asleep. Ten minutes later, he wakes up with this bewildered, I don't really have words to comprehend what just happened. He sits up. I said, buddy, how was your soaking time? He said, I just had a dream. Jesus just came to me. Now, if you knew his story, you would know why. I was processing with the Lord, and he couldn't really tell us like what happened. That's okay. I knew Jesus came and ministered to him. And 
I was processing with the Lord like for 24 hours after that because we're praying for an increase. We're praying for more. We're asking God for to crash in with the love of God. Crash in. And the next day, Monday, I was kind of thinking and talking to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Laura, thank you so much for being like a mother to him and loving him and creating such a safe place for him. But he has suffered. So I wanted to come and minister to him myself. Hello. Love of God. Crash in. And I can tell you with absolute humility and confidence in the love of God that I don't believe it was a dream. <sighs> don't you want more? Don't you want more? I do. I do. I remember getting saved at 16 years old at a youth conference. And by the time I was 18, I started pursuing the the Lord, with my whole heart, burning, fire, hungry. How old am I now? How many years is it? I don't I can't do the math. 23 years later, I'm burning still. Didn't you have ups and downs and, and complacent? No, never. Amen. Never. 23 years. Amen. Never. Burning. Don't you want more? I do, but I want more for me and everybody else around me because I know that it's available. Burning. I'm going to be, bur I was burning yesterday. I'm burning today and I'm going to be burning tomorrow. Yes. And the kids are burning and you are burning. You are burnt. You're going to burn tomorrow. In 10 years from now, we're going to be burning. And 20 years from now, burning for the fire, the passion, the affections of Jesus. Whew. Burning. All right. You know, we can learn a lot about God through how he views children. Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Burning. I'm burning. You're burning. And if you want more, you just say, God set me on fire and let the world watch me burn. And it's not an arrogance thing or a pride thing. It's just, it's actually humility and confidence. I'm going to pursue God. God will meet me. Jesus died for God to come and meet me. <sighs> Love of God. Please, please agree with us in prayer for God to crash in and the kids with his love. It's his will. It's his heart. And again, the more, it's like we have so much to learn about God through how he views children. And every time I preach, I'm not going to preach on kids. It just so happens I am again. Hey. All right. Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? 
I'll tell you what I, I'm going to make a few suggestions today, all right? I believe that they asked Jesus this question not because of pride, although what's behind pride a lot of time is orphanhood. But I believe that they asked him this question because they were growing in their identity. And it exposed some orphanhood, orphan mentality. And by this time, they're learning that Jesus is Messiah. Okay, they're learning that. And I think this question exposed in them like, well, they've seen healings and miracles by now and signs and wonders and demons getting casted out. And by now, Jesus has predicted his death and resurrection. And they asked Jesus, some of his disciples, we don't know who, but they asked him, who, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Am I? Do, do I have what it takes? Do, I'm learning that you're Messiah. So do I have what it takes to be always close to you, Jesus? Because when you're a son and a daughter, Ellie doesn't have to come up to me and say, Mom, can I come near you? No, she just plows right into my leg and hangs on. Because she's my daughter and she knows it. But that, that orphan mentality, am I allowed to? Do I have permission? May I? You know, it's kind of like, it's like last time Stephanie was at my house, I said, you know where the cups are, help yourself. Because she she's welcome. She's welcome to get a cup out of the cupboard. She doesn't need my permission. She's family. They came and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Exposing any orphan mentality. I, you're, you're Jesus, so am I great in your eyes? And I love what Jesus does. Jesus always one-ups everything all the time, and he always reveals who he is, and he reveals the kingdom that he brought. And I love, what, <laughs> I love what Jesus does here because he, he dismantles lies. He um, allows false identities to be exposed. Any orphan mentality, he allows it to get exposed. And he brings, oh, and, and he, it maybe pride, low self-worth, low self-confidence, and, and he, he dismantles that, and he brings kingdom identity and a little bit about kingdom destiny using a child. Using a child. Then Jesus called, verse 2, a little child to him and set him in the midst of them. Now, what you need to know, at that time in history, children were property. They were not valued by society at all. They were valued by immediate family. That's all. And, and knowing society and knowing their value system for kids, he calls a kid and he plops the kid in front of them. 
They would have been like, oh, like move. We're trying to ask him a question. And they're most likely like in an outdoor, they're outside, most likely, there's most likely a crowd gathered because later in Matthew 18, he starts to teach. So anytime Jesus is teaching, people start gathering to listen. So they're in public. How do I know that? Because there was children around. They are most likely in a marketplace, um, in a village, in the city, and there's children around. And you have to remember the Israelite people at that time were very oppressed. They were poor. Many of them were poor. And they were very oppressed by a very small percentage of elite geopolitical and economic people group, the Romans. Now, do you think the Romans had value for kids? Pfft, no, definitely not the Israel kids, the Israelite kids. So... What does Jesus do? He calls a little child, sets them, sets him in the midst of them. And he said, verse 3, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are con converted, the Greek word there means turn, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> they were just asking who's going to be great. Which underneath all of that, I think was, do, do I have what it takes? Am I going to be near you? I, I want to be, I want to be near you. I want to stay close. Do I? Do you think I'm great, Jesus? And Jesus, unless you're going to turn and become humble like this child, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. <sighs> you know, so Jesus answers questions with like beyond revelation statements. <laughs> Verse 4, therefore, whoever humbles himself as little children is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humble themselves. Trusting, think about a child. Trusting, dependent, joyful, pure, innocent. They have so much trust. Their humility is simple, joyful, and trusting, period. Whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom. This is amazing because I want to suggest to you what I think Jesus is saying here is, okay, go back to Matthew 4. Hang on. Woo! See, we're getting an impartation of God's heart today. It's so good. Matthew 4, 17. At that time, Jesus began to preach. This is the beginning of his ministry. And, he, and he's beginning to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is he saying? He's saying, repent, change the way that you think. I'm here now. I'm bringing my kingdom, start to think with a kingdom mindset and think like me. That's what he's saying. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm here now. I'm here. Change the way that you think to start to think like me because I'm bringing my kingdom. Now, fast forward to Matthew 18. Woo! See, 
the beginning of his ministry, he starts to say, change the way that you think because I'm here. Now in Matthew 18, they've seen all these miracles and healings and whatnot. All good. We live for it. Mm, I live for it. Man, do I live for it. Love it. Just love it. Urgh. And uh, Jesus says, humble yourself like a child so that you can enter fully into the kingdom of heaven. Change the way that you think because the kingdom's here. Now it's almost like he's saying, I need you to change your attitude too. I need you to, <clears throat> I need you to first change your thoughts to think like me, but now to have the fullness of the kingdom and the fullness of who I am, I need you to change your attitude for more. Woo, it's a strong word. Are you okay? Am I ruffling feathers? That's good. Nobody's feathers are getting ruffled. That's good. I'm not intentionally trying to ruffle feathers, by the way. Um, but uh, I need you to change your attitude, too. I need you to change your approach. I need you to become humble like a child so that you can fully have the kingdom and fully have me. That's what he's saying. This isn't about actually being great. This is about fullness, more. This is about the more. More, don't you want more? In pre-service prayer, we were praying, let our hearts burn for more. Therefore, whoever humbles himself, verse 4, as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Because he's saying, like a child, by the way, it's mikros. The, the Greek word for a small child here is mikros. Small. It means not youth. It actually means small child of less dignity. Small. Verse 5. So good. Whoever receives one little child, mikros, in my name receives me. Oh, this is so powerful. Because what is Jesus doing here? It's so good. Guys, when you're reading scripture, look for the ways of God revealed and the heart of God revealed. When Jesus is teaching, look for him to reveal himself, teach his kingdom, reveal his ways, and reveal his heart. Because he's given you, he's like, I'm going to give you the secret sauce. You want more? You want to get stripped of that orphanhood? Know who you are. Know your identity in me. Identity. You have a driver's license here on earth. In the kingdom of heaven, you have an identity. It's blood bought by Jesus Christ. Everyone's name is on the inheritance. In Jesus. So everyone has a kingdom identity. You have your own, imagine it, like a driver's life. Boom, it says who I am. I got in my back pocket. Boom, it says who I am. And we want to look for God's ways and his heart in scripture. And here it is, verse 5. 
Whoever receives one little child, Mikros, like this in my name, receives me. Mm. They don't value the kids. They don't have a value system for kids, but Jesus does. And at this time, they were not protected by society at all. There was no, there was no level of society protecting children. But Jesus, his heart is what? If you're going to receive, it's like a, another layer. Up, up, up. You want to be great? I'm going to teach you how. You want more? I'm going to give you the secret sauce. Then, do you want to come and know me? That's what he's saying. Do you really want to know who I am? And do you want to have a relationship with me and who I am? If you do, you're going to carry my heart. If you do, you're going to value the things that I value. And you may not value them. See, in this group, now I'm not talking about you. You all do. You have an amazing heart for kids. But them, in this group of people, unless their immediate parents were in this group where Jesus is teaching, none of them valued those kids. No. And Jesus is saying, not only am I going to give you the secret sauce for more, I'm also going to share with you what's sacred my heart. I'm going to expose and reveal my ways, but I'm also going to reveal my heart to you, which is this. If you're going to receive, it's, it's like he's saying, oh, and by the way, let me share with you who I am and what I care about, the children. I paid for them to have access into my kingdom. Full access. In Christ, full access. And if you receive them when society won't, and society certainly at this time will not protect them, if you receive them, you are receiving me. It's a, it's a matter of the heart. Verse 6. <laughs> Constantly one-upping. Why? Because he's always, he's always revealing his values. What are values? Your heart. Woo! But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, mikros, mikros, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Millstone could have weighed 400 pounds up to almost 3,000 pounds. Death sentence. Woe to the world because of offenses. Offenses here in the Greek, it means traps, snares. He's saying like, oh... Woe to you, you live in a fallen world where there's many traps for offenses, traps must come, but woe to the man by who the offense comes. Woe to the man who falls in the trap. 
If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into life maimed or lame rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. It's almost like I can just imagine the crowd gather and he's like, I have a crowd now. I'm really going to preach. And verse 9, and if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into the hellfire. Mikros. Verse 10. And he, 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 he reveals his heart again. Reveals his his ways and and his values again. Verse 10, take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, Mikros. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying the ones that you don't value I do, but the ones that you don't value, guys. He's saying, I've got the angels guarding them. These particular angels are guardian angels. I've got the guardian angels over them, and those angels are the ones closest to the face and the throne of God. I've got those angels watching over them. Powerful. Powerful. It's, it's like he's saying, the ones that you don't value, I've got the angels closest to the face of God watching over them. <sighs> what is he doing? He, he's, he's trying to help them to understand him. 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 His character, his nature, his values. Because when he brings his kingdom like he did, which is here now, when he brings his kingdom, he, he needs them to understand the value system of the kingdom. And in the, in, in the value system of the kingdom, children are highly valued. But what else? What else is highly valued? The humble, the humble. Verse 4, the humble. And he isn't saying, well, I love kids better than everybody else. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, become like them who I value because of who they are, first of all. Secondly, because of their approach, their, the, the, the innocence, the trust, their dependence, their purity. Be like, he's saying like, guys, be like that so that you can have the fullness of who I am. I want you to have the fullness of who I am. I want you to have the fullness of the kingdom. Be humble like that so you can get it. And if you get the fullness of who I am and the fullness of the kingdom, yes, you're going to be known as being great. And it's not like, oh, I'm great. I have arrived. It's just like a, it's like a, I don't know what, to, a, a, a humility rapture. It's just like, ah, oh, I'm in the glory. Ah, oh, I'm, I'm in the God, I'm in God's, pre- this is amazing. I got to have more of this. That's great. That's great. Greatness, it's, it's like measured by our intimacy with Jesus. 
Oh, it's so good. Oh. Hey. <laughs> things, are f things are breaking open in here. Matthew 11, 11. Assuredly, I say to you, thank you, Allie, among those born of women, there has not risen. Okay, first of all, I'm sorry. Okay, God is so cool because Jesse, not too long ago, preached a little bit right here out of Matthew 11. He's been preaching in Matthew I told him what I was going to preach on. He's like, no way. I'm going to be teaching on the rest of Matthew 18. God is so cool. I'm like, that's awesome. Verse 11, Matthew 11, 11. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Okay, I suggest to you, he's saying that because John the Baptist was a forerunner of the kingdom. He was a prophet of the kingdom. And he was coming before Jesus Christ, preparing the kingdom. And he's saying, uh, uh, and Jesus chose him, okay? But there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But, everybody say, but. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Mm least. Guess what it means in the Greek? Mikros. Mikros. Least in the kingdom. But he who is least, but he who is like a child. It means literal child. All translations of Mikros. Literal child and. It means least in like dignity. Oh, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven. Small, least, like a child or a child, is greater than he. Why? Why? Because the humble, they get to encounter God fully. Because the humble, they get to have the, the revelation and the activation and the advancement of the kingdom. The humble. But, again, more importantly, like verse 5, if you're, it's his value system. Yes, yes, we want more of him. Yes, we want more of the kingdom. And yes, we want to know who he is. This is huge. We want to know who Jesus is. Is this making sense? <sighs> Glory. Fourth of July. I was sitting. There's my mom and dad. What's up, mom and dad? Again, my mom's like, do not bring attention to me, Lord. Let's just... Just uh, spring colors. I mean, what? Look at this. Like pastel orange, blue, and green. Happy family. 
Fourth of July, I'm sitting there with Sheldon and my parents and Ellie and niece and nephew, and I just happened to bring this like questionnaire thing, and one of the questions was about, it didn't say eulogy, but basically, what do you want to be known for? If you could write your, if I, as a teacher, were to give you an assignment and say, if you could write your eulogy now, what do you want to be known for? We were just talking about that, asking ourselves that question. And I have to tell you, like, I, I love it. I love the stuff. I live for the stuff. I love the stuff. I love the stuff that God does. I love seeing the kingdom move. I love the increase that will never stop increasing. I love the advancement that will never stop advancing. I love it. Live for it. But, but, it's like I've taught around America, other countries, did kids' camps, kids' conferences, trained up families and homes. I was a revivalist public school teacher, preaching the gospel, angels coming into my classroom, started staff prayer, would pray over their brains, would pray in tongues over them out loud, would put soaking music on during their journal time, let them bring Bibles, let the kids preach. One teacher who was barren, she got healed in my classroom. I used to pray and prophesy directly to my principal. She loved it. Revival. The kids would declare God's goodness after the Pledge of Allegiance every single morning. For real. For real. I didn't start it. A little not-believer child started it. <sighs> Glory to God. Ministered on streets. Ministered to so many people out and about. Nothing, nothing, nothing compares. Nothing compares to being standing before Jesus and him saying, well done. Because why? Not of all the stuff that you did, but because you stewarded my heart. I, it's like a, it's like a, um, it's like a joyful, um, have to. I, I have to hear that from him. I don't, it's not an orphan thing. I don't, I don't need him. I don't need a pat on the back. It, it's like I, I, need, I need to know and I need to do it. I need to steward his heart well. Advancing the kingdom, great. It's our duty and it's a responsibility. And it's a privilege. It's a privilege. A uh, greater privilege is carrying his ways and his heart well. It's like my eulogy, it has to say, I even told this to them before, it like has to say, she was someone who knew God and she was a friend of God. Have you ever thought about that? If you were to write your, you, I'm, hey, go home and do it this week with the Lord. It's powerful. It's a powerful exercise. It's like I'm giving you an assignment. 
If I were to say, what do you want to be known for? I, I want to be known for being a friend of God. All that other stuff, I live for it. I love it. We're called to it. But it's not enough for me. It's not enough for me. So the question is, write your, write your eulogy. What do you want to be known for? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? Like for me, it's, it, it's got to be a legacy sold out. She was sold out to Jesus. Fire has to be a legacy of fire. And that I carried his heart well. Whew. All right, here's what I want to do. Let me see. I think that's all I'm going to preach today. More, Lord. Fire. The only other thing I would say is, I think as far as legacy, I want to be known for being childlike in my faith. I'm not talking about childish. I'm not talking about immature. I want to have mature childlike faith. I want to be a mature daughter of God who operates in faith and humility. And I want to do good. I want to do well at it. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? Don't you want God to expose any orphan mentality, any orphan heart in you? And don't you want him to mark you, mark you for your lifetime. Man, I got to tell you, it ain't about us, man. This life, it ain't about us. That's a hard lesson for, especially Ellie's age, that's a hard lesson. It ain't about you, sweetheart. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is about her. Sometimes it is about us. But don't you want more? Okay. Here's what I want to do. I want to have a time, a few minutes, before we release and do uh, altar ministry. I want to have a time for you to respond. Because I feel like what I just did was just dropped a, a firebomb in the middle of the room, just like a grenade. It's like, hey, hang on, take over. I, I want to give us a few moments to respond to this word, to let the seed go in deeper. And if you have paper or your phone, or if you just have a good memory, that's great. Um, I want to I give time for you to respond to the Lord and offer up to him a fresh surrender. Ooh, that's a good word. Me, Lord. <laughs> Me too. 
I want to offer a fresh surrender. I, I, I want to give an opportunity if there's any hindrances in the way from you giving the Lord a fresh surrender for more. And it's not, let me, let me just, let me just uh, rip open the veil. This isn't a, I'm going to surrender and I want more because God, you're calling me into this mission field or God, you're calling me into this uh, ministry. And it, no, 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 don't misunderstand. This isn't a, this isn't a fresh surrender necessarily to go and do. This is a fresh surrender to be. Remember Matthew 4 to Matthew 18. Change the way you think to think like me. Now I need you to change your attitude too. And a lot of times in order to have more, enter the fullness of the kingdom. And whoever receives this little one receives me. We get to position our hearts before the Lord in surrender with a, with a uh, moldable, pliable attitude. Just saying, I, I don't know what the more is, but I, I think I want it. I, I, I want to experience more of God's glory all the time. Love it. Live for it. I want to experience more of the the fullness, the revelation of the fullness of Jesus Christ. Not so I can go and do, but because of who I am in him and who he is and who he is as king of king and lord of lord. We, 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 get, a, we get a have that fresh surrender so we can go after who he is. Pursue. Surrender to pursue. Does that make sense? <sighs> okay. Secondly, in response, I want to give a few moments of response to Jesus' heart, his values. And I'm not saying, I'm not just saying about kids. I, I challenge us to walk around your neighborhood, and while you walk around your neighborhood, just ask him, Jesus, I want your heart for this neighborhood. Walk around a school. Get involved with kids or something, and ask him, Jesus, I'm asking for your heart. Walk around a nursing home. Ask him for his heart. Man, or a hospital, whatever it is, a pregnancy center. Because I, I have to tell you, God's heart is um, a sacred place. It's a sacred place. And many, many times I've asked the Lord, many times, God, give me your heart. Give me your heart. Break my heart for the things that break your heart, God. Give me your heart of joy, the things that bring you joy, Lord. Let it bring me joy. And if you're, if you're sincere in that, watch out, because he'll start to give you his heart. Whew. Oh, the things that break God's heart. Whew. 
Remember when society wouldn't protect them? Who? Who? Jesus. Because of his heart. So response number one is that fresh surrender to pursue. Sometimes for more, it can be marked by our hunger. And I want more. Stephanie wants more. Don't you, Steph? And number two, God, will you give me your heart? This is, it's, this is huge. That, that prayer, that prayer will change your life. And by uh, you're changing your life, I mean it will change your lifestyle. You'll start praying for people in the secret place, and you'll start crying the tears of God. God will start activating in you his heart. And you'll start to... Anybody see Sound of Freedom? Listen. God's heart is, it's a, it's a sacred place, like I said, and, and it's a, um, and a, God's heart will break your heart. And, um, it's a, it's an honor and uh, it's a humbling honor to carry his heart. A real humbling honor. And he doesn't just give it out to anybody. He, now, he will if, if we ask him. Because it's, it's a sacred place. It's, his heart is actually inside of his ways. That's why in the scripture in Matthew 18, when he's teaching, he exposes any orphanhood, which I think is behind any pride or low self-worth or anything. He uses a child to do that. He explains to them the, the secret of the kingdom. Go low to have more. And then he reveals his ways, but Mm, that sacred place, past that is his heart. And truly, truly, if, if we're going to advance the kingdom fully as God's calling us to do and be the ecclesia that we are, we are, we, we have the privilege in, within that duty and responsibility mm, to carry his values well. Come on. Okay. Um, And I'm just going to, we don't even need any music on. I just want to do it in silence for a minute. I just, hey, whoa, Holy Spirit, thank you more, Lord. I just ask God that you would come right now and that you would begin to stir, to stir. And Seth, at 12 o'clock, I'm going to have you and Stephanie and Lauren come up, okay? So for the next several minutes, we're going to respond. And um, whoa, whoa. By the way, if, I ever, if I'm ever up here 
back in kids, you see me just kind of get blasted. It's like if I were to stick my finger in that electrical socket, my physical body is going to have a reaction to the power. Same thing with my spirit. So when, when I become more aware of his power and his presence, it's like, oh, whoa, power. Okay? I'm not being weird. Just got zapped. Okay? But we're going to respond right now to those two things. And I don't know what it's going to look like for everybody. Some of you may start weeping. Some of you may get on your face. Some of you, you know, might just need to sit there because you're letting it soak in. It's all good. So um, we're just going to respond right now, okay? And some of you might need to pray in tongues or let out a little bit of worship from your mouth. That's fine, too. But we're going to respond. Surrender. To pursue. And number two, will you give me your heart? Write down what he says. Okay. Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy.